Listeners, guess what? It's Memorial Day weekend as we record this, and in some parts of the world that doesn't mean as much, I suppose. But uh, this is Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. Normally, the same three friends in a shed at the bottom of a garden talking about a horror movie, but this time we have a special guest and Will is missing. So if you're not a normal listener, you won't notice anything different, but for everybody who normally listens... Welcome, Emily, to the show. Thank you. I feel like a poor replacement for Will, but I will do my best. Well, I'm sure you're going to do fine. Uh, Will is in New Mexico, and uh, you're married to Jolien, so it was not very hard to get you on the show. (laughs) I don't know that I'll have much to contribute, but I will certainly try. Real quick, let's say thank you to the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features. If you want to buy their music digitally, you can buy it on iTunes or Amazon. And if you want to say hi to them, say hi to them on Facebook where they are, the moon dash rays. And it's easier to find us probably on Instagram because I'm on there a lot. Um, I'll see your messages. But we're also on Facebook as Chewing the Scenery. Um, having said that, I'm Richard. I'm here with Emily and Jolien. Hello. And uh, we're going to talk about The Ring and or Ringu, depending on which one. Are we? Is that what we're going to talk about? I thought we were doing Wreck. Oh, damn it. You did say wreck, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I haven't seen it, so I can talk about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> We've seen it too, so. Damn it. You can talk about the ring if you like. I've seen uh, those too. How about if you talk about wreck and I talk about the ring? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was going to write it down and I didn't. And I went, I think he said the ring because we talked about that. Well, like, we are going to do it at some point, aren't we? Yeah, we are. So when we do, I'll talk about wreck. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we're always back, we're going to do Shin Godzilla. Yes. Yes. Uh since the uh, format of this thing is mostly just conversational, it doesn't matter as much. It's not like, oh man, the whole structure's been thrown off. <laughs> I can't listen to this. It's unlistenable. Yeah. Academic standards. Yeah. yeah. Don't belong here. Hey, if, if you want that, there's plenty of podcasts that do that. So, before we get into two completely different movies that aren't the same, uh, what have you watched recently, Emily? Um, I only ever really watch movies with Jolien. Well, we watched so. uh, Black Panther, didn't we? Yes, we watched was Black that? Panther. It was fabulous. It was. I, I have a deep desire now to go become a warrior. Possibly <laughs> shave my head, but I'm worried that my head shape is not nice. Um, and then we watched Rec 4. Mm-hmm. Rec R-E-C, not W-R-E-C-K. Yes. Uh, having watched the first one, when was that? A couple of weeks? No, last week? Earlier this week. <laughs> it's all the same to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have we watched? Yeah, I think that's what we watched together this week. So Black Panther, um, did you manage to go see that on the big screen? No, nope, just, just got the Blu-ray in this yeah. week. 
Yeah, because I know it's finally hitting like d- yeah. digital rental. And I was too busy when it came out. We we really wanted to see it because mm-hmm. it's you know it's a really it's probably a movie of the year in terms of cultural importance. And it's big and pretty. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to see it, but didn't quite get it together. And that's that, that's kind of what I I've, I've heard nothing bad about it. I've only heard good things, and everyone says it looks awesome. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna go see that. After it's not new anymore, and then all of a sudden you blink and it's been six or eight weeks, right. and it's like it's gone. Yeah, you have to go to the two dollar cinema, and I imagine those right. are gross. I, I don't know, maybe they're not. I don't know. I've, I've, I used to go to those kinds of theaters in uh, London. I used to go to them too, but then it became a place to just go hang out mm-hmm. for people who had nowhere else to be. Yeah. So then they got kind of gross. Oh sure. Also, I used to stay in youth hostels. There are things that you just don't do once you're over 30, I think. (laughs) Mosquito stalking you. Oh, got away. Close. Yeah. (laughs) That was was a serious mosquito whacking theory that you missed. They just showed up in the last couple days, and I'm sure they're bloodthirsty. So, um, well, Jolene is the delicious one. So, oh, yeah. good, because it's usually me that they're after. Yeah, I always felt that way too until uh, until someone more <laughs> delicious came into my life. <laughs> so, yeah, the Elvis is the uh, the two dollar cinema in town, yes. or four, right. whatever it is now. Who knows? Cheap. Yeah, yeah. like uh, I remember when when I first started when I first noticed those. It was probably back in the early '90s, late '80s, or early '90s was when they first started doing those. Second run cinemas right. and in, in London it was uh, the Prince Charles off of Leicester Square. Oh. Leicester Square is like the big premier theatre area. Yeah. And then just around the corner, down one of the narrow streets, is the Prince Charles. Did, we saw some when we were in, in excuse me when we were in London last time. <clears throat> the Rock was in. Oh yeah, yeah, they're having the premiere of um, Armageddon. Uh, no. Uh, what's the earthquake? Movie. I don't know. It had uh, a like San, a one... San Andreas. San Andreas. Oh yeah. yes. And uh, so there were like big tour buses everywhere, and <laughs> and uh, we were mostly just trying to get out of there. Mm-hmm. So, were the uh, were the cheap cinemas like kind of still okay at the time, and have they gone into disrepair? Uh, it was it was doing fine. Okay. Yeah, some of them I used to go to got just really sticky and gross. And yeah, just... the sticky and gross one was the old Scala, which okay. had the funkiest cult movies, and you had to join the club to to see them. Oh, and, it, uh, and that way they could show movies that weren't approved for general exhibition. Oh yeah. So you got to see all your. That's a good workaround. Yeah, that was where they had all the weekend long marathons and <laughs> nice. Russ Meyer triple bills and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was like a porno theater without the porn. Yeah, although Russ Meyer and <laughs> Thundercrack, uh, they 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 were on the edge. Yeah, yeah. I guess it kind of had a foot in both worlds, right? <laughs> Mostly in the porn world. Yeah, <laughs> that that always makes me worry about why the floor is sticky. Yeah, I have oh, yeah. some concerns. You'd also had three cats, so they'd occasionally walk across your feet. Oh wow! Uh, I never went in the the back rows like. Uh, you know, not just the back row, but quite a way down into the theatre. <laughs> I didn't go up in there because uh, that was there's a lot of action going in there. Oh no! And uh, of of various natures. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, you you watch films there that if you watch them by yourself, you'd feel kind of 
dirty, but <laughs> but you watch them with a with an audience like yelling back at the screen, and they're great fun. Oh yeah, it's it's funny. It's like um, with those with those uh, with those sleazy theaters, you know, you, mm-hmm. it's like you you have to kind of keep an eye out, like who's near you, right? Oh yeah, but uh, and they showed they showed like the you know semi sleazy exploitation movies, but they'd also show art movies. So you can yeah. go in and watch like. You know, Goddard or whatever, pure, yeah, Goddard or Pasolini or whatever, and whatever. yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, too rare that people get to go see a Goddard film, and it's like, you know, an actual projection of a thirty-five millimeter oh, yeah. print. Yeah, so lots of Kurosawa and oh hell yeah, things like that. Yeah, seize those opportunities because mm-hmm. they're only going they're going to be fewer. And I guess for ourselves, I mean, getting a, a, a like a dvd projector blu-ray projector and a big wall to project onto is probably the best thing we can do for ourselves mm-hmm. going forward yep so criterion editions projected on the side of a garage <laughs> mm. yeah there are worse things right Watching... there are but i worry about the fate of movie theaters if if everyone does that well hopefully everyone doesn't do that and the movie theaters stay alive but it's 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 a tough gig um if drive-ins are any indication right you know those weren't really about the movies, though. Those are about the make-out opportunities. Yeah, that's that's true, too, isn't it? Now that people have more freedom. It's funny when you said that uh, people doing what they want in the back of the theater. It makes me think of, like, every young punk who's ever drawn an anarchy symbol is like, yeah, anarchy. You don't really want anarchy. <laughs> it's it's <No>. unpleasant. <laughs> Everyone doing what they please, whatever they please. Yeah. No, you I don't. thought the poor guys who have to, you know, clean up afterwards. You know. Yeah. It's not cool. Yeah. I've worked in theatres. Yeah. So, Jillian, any other ones that you've watched? Uh, yeah. So, uh, watched a Spring. Caught up with that oh, one. Yeah. Because you've seen that. Yes. Uh, it's still on Shudder. So, Spring is this. Um, it kind of is. Uh, there's this American who's having this really tough time in his life. His mother's just died, and he's lost his job and stuff. So he goes off to. Uh, he, he spends a bit of his inheritance. Goes off to Italy and just cruises around, and he meets this mysterious woman. In one of the coastal towns, and uh, and uh, they start up a relationship, and uh, I don't want to give away any more. No, than that. you can't say much more about that movie without kind of giving it away. Yeah, but uh, this would make a great double bill with Possession. Yeah, the Andrzej yeah. uh, Klauski movie. Um, so, but it, this is like a one side of it, and then Possession will be the other side of it. Right. But, darker i think yeah but uh yeah uh check it out it's uh and jeremy gardner is is tied into that one he's one of the guys in it okay he's the guy from the battery all right yeah yeah he's he's a stoner friend from back back home yeah california yeah Yeah, it's always nice to see him pop up yeah uh he and christian stella are working on a new movie so hopefully we'll see something else okay in the next year or two from them so that's exciting and then uh, I also watched a, like a thirteen-minute-long art movie from nineteen forty-three called uh, "Meshes of the Afternoon." Oh, um, this is by uh, Maya Deren, and she's also the main person in it. There's, only, there's basically only two characters, and uh, her husband at the time is Alexander Hamid. Anyway, um, so this is from nineteen forty-three. It's very much in the. It's silent. It got a soundtrack in the late fifties. Uh, but this is like uh, they obviously really influenced by um, uh, 
like surrealist movies in the twenties and thirties. All right. Um, and it's 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 kind of dreamy. Mm-hmm. Um, shuffles time and objectivity and subjectivity, and this narrative is a spiral. So if you know if if you're into like the wackiest David Lynch like Lost Highway, where it, nice. the story kind of characters double and triple and you know you come keep coming back to the same images and events and things and then it's got this like cloaked figure with a mirror face oh turns up in it and does very sinister things (laughs) um yeah and and particularly that character you see i kept seeing it in these other films Hmm. and pop videos and things like it it uh, it was in a recent janelle monet video and I thought, where where is this thing from? So I eventually found out and, and watched the film. So. so did it have the vibe of like that uh, Boonwell movie? Yeah. That kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and it's easy to see online, so. Kind of, kind of a Dr. Caligari sort uh, of it's visuals. Not, there's, no, there's no stylized sets. It's just this, oh. uh, like, a, there's this uh, kind of Spanish-style house up in the hills in Hollywood or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, sh- the... This car- this mirror face will be going up the path, and then she'll turn off the path, go up these steps, and she'll go in the house, and then she'll see herself coming in the house. She'll see herself seeing herself coming in the house. Oh! And she, this this figure appears, and it and and it goes upstairs, and uh, and it like does something. It leaves a flower on the bed, and then it leaves a knife on the bed, and then there's this key that turns into a knife, and it's nice. just all these these things overlapping and. Uh, it, it does kind of make a sense, uh, yeah, if you think about it. But, yeah. Um, but it is definitely it involves a dream. Anyway, um, yeah, it turns up in tons of stuff like Sun Ra's, Quoted It, Janelle Monáe's, Sue Friedrich, uh, Kristen Hirsch, Mila Jovovich, uh, Primal Scream, Esti Leica, Godflesh. Nice. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's quite an influential, especially with American uh, avant-garde movies. Right. Anyway, uh, apart then, from the Transformer uh, avant-garde movies. Oh yeah, they're in a class themselves. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I also saw uh, Blazing Sixes, which is a western from 1937. It's a serial western starring Dick Foran, the singing cowboy. Oh nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mentioned this because uh, Dick Foran and Glenn Strange, are the hero buddies in this film. Wow, Frankenstein. So see, yeah, so uh, Dick Foran from a couple of the Mummy movies. And uh, and Glenn Strange was in the Mummy's Tomb, right? Uh, and also in, he was the monster in House of Frankenstein, right? And he, the, the iconic monster. And he was actually really tall, wasn't he? Like yeah, yeah. six eight or something like that. And then uh, yeah, and then uh, Dick Fran was in uh, Atomic Submarine, and the, in the Mummy's Hand. Uh, Glenn Strange was born in Weed, New Mexico. Was he? Wow. The town called Weed. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> uh, and, and the story of Blazing Sixes concerns a bandits who are raiding the gold coming out of a Denver mint. Oh. So another local tie. Local tie in there. Yeah, and then we watched uh, Wreck 4 and uh, Wreck. Wreck. Not Ring, but Wreck. Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably a good place to. Uh... Oh, yeah, I guess. Now, what I, did I, you I, see? Oh, Salem's Lot. Oh, the. the... Yeah. Original TV movie? Hadn't, hadn't seen TV that miniseries. one. Trying to get that mosquito again. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen that in ages. Yep. Yeah, I hadn't seen it for a very long time. And I'm talking like um, 
I don't know how long, like mm. more than 15 or 20 years. Yeah, I was like, very pleased when the Blu-ray came out. When, when the, was that released? 79. Yeah. So you think about like it was being made about when The Shining was being made. And uh, mm. production value is different, of course, because it's made for TV. And they do, I mean, they cast the thing with TV actors. And then, of course, some character actors that you might recognize from other things. Um, the young guy, the, the kid, Lance Kerwin, and Jolien, you may not have heard of this or seen it, but he was, um, he was the, the young lead in a, a series called James at 15. And uh, I think it went two or three seasons, and I think they changed the name of it on the second season to James at 16. And it was just like a coming-of-age thing with a young guy in it. And, uh, of course, David Soule was from Starsky and Hutch, and I couldn't tell you to save my life if he was Starsky or Hutch. But uh, he was the blonde one anyway. Mm -hmm. There's something that I noticed about halfway through the movie uh, because he drove this Jeep and uh, every time he jumped in it and took off, the door wouldn't close right. Oh, (laughs) Did you notice this when you were watching it? It's one of those like dinky little half doors. Yeah, Yeah. it's just like it's it's probably not even a glass window. It's probably like that thick plastic window. He like whips the door shut and it bangs back open and Uh he whips it shut again. And and there were some times where it was like two or three tries and he's speeding away. And uh, there was one where he was giving the doctor whoever a ride over to the house where the vampires were and they jump out and the doctor slams the door and it bounces back open. So it's both doors. Mm. I think it's those ones where you have to kind of click the handle down a little bit. Yeah, that thing was legendary when I was a kid because it was on TV and like we were all too young to go and see, you know, horror movies. And yeah, this thing came on. It was scary. Is this what gave your brother the scare about like, faces in the window? Click at the window. Yeah, that was definitely a highlight. I don't think my brother could have seen it at the time. The one that really freaked him out was this TV movie called Snow Beast. It's kind of an abominable snowman outside a ski resort movie yeah with uh Yvette Mimu, I think it was in it yeah you, you talked but, about yeah, this one my, before my brother didn't sleep that night <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd be delighted yeah. to know you're you're telling that story <laughs> yeah yeah well it could be worse I could talk about what my brother went through after my I think I've mentioned this before my dad thought horror movies were like the wolfman mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, when the shining came out he took the whole family to see the shining Oops. <laughs> which was fine because i was whatever 13 or 14 when it came out but uh, my it's fine little, for you it's fine for me my little brother was like six or seven or whatever and it was like <laughs> not okay he was terrified of the bathroom after he saw what came out of the bathroom in room 237 so yeah he well, would... i wanted uh, emily to come on because uh i we were wondering why most horror movies don't scare you mm. yeah yeah i have no answers <laughs> what does scare you well since you mentioned dingo that was the last movie i saw that i actually thought was scary yeah and before that the I, I, there's probably other things but the only other thing i can remember before that was that episode of the x-files oh yes with the stretchy liver eating guy uh, the first yeah, one cuz he gets into scully's house um squeeze yes and and he's coming through her drain or something um this he's, is he's going through the air ducts air ducts yeah. that's what it was and and bingo i thought was really we, i used we saw to that think, under ideal conditions though that's I? true but yeah. I also like I, for a long time I thought it was I wasn't scared when I saw the whatever the horror is the creature. But you see her fairly early on in that movie, you know, when she that comes out of mm. the TV and stuff, and it still just that totally creeped me out. And then and then as soon as it was over, the phone rang. <laughs> the phone rang. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice. We had this person who's uh, uh, she had like a speech impediment, so it takes her a couple of seconds to start speaking, and and you can just hear her breathing. So like we watched Ring, <laughs> the phone rings, we pick up the receiver, and there's this. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to die. Yes. <laughs> you got a week. Yeah. Right. Get your affairs in order. <laughs> Quick, everybody else watch this and then pass it on. So that episode of X-Files is part of, is, is part of your early story together, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, um, Julian had heard about this quirky American television show, and so he, he would get the, um, were they even videos back yeah, videos, then? Videos, yeah. He would go to the video store and get them, um, and then come up to visit me out in the sticks and we'd watch several episodes together after that one the squeeze one i actually he he left that day and i was lying in bed looking up and i had this ventilation shaft in my bedroom (laughs) and i at one point i finally called him and said the guy's gonna come into my bedroom and eat my liver and i'm not scully (laughs) you're watching for the screws to start turning out of the vent cover and and uh fortunately julian said well that couldn't actually happen because the screws are in the wall. You can't unscrew them from inside the vent. Right. And that was the thing that allowed me to sleep I'm very that night. I thought of that. Yes. Yeah. I am too. Good logic. <laughs> I might not have slept since then if you hadn't thought of it. And you were both teaching in Japan at the mm-hmm. time. I think yep. it wasn't so much my engineering knowledge as my monster logic kid knowledge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Going on here. It worked, whatever it was. But yeah, we were both teaching in Japan. We were... Um, up in Hokkaido, which is the northernmost main island. Mm-hmm. And Julian was at that point in the city. And I was in a tourist town of about 10,000 people. It's been combined with its neighboring town now. So, um, And I was in teacher housing. So I, I thought, you know, I guess worst case scenario, I could scream and probably my teacher neighbors would come up and watch my liver being eaten. Yeah. <laughs> They, they would at least feel bad and notify my mother. So. Yeah, those early X-Files episodes, actually all of them from beginning to end, I mean, it's it's interesting when you get a chance to rewatch them because some of them don't hold up. Yeah. Some of them really do. Like, I've heard some people say, oh, none of it holds up. That's not true because some of them are still awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of what, you know, what the better ones were for me. But uh, yeah, just the... the other thing they did in Japan was uh, because uh, people weren't familiar with the geography there, unlike here, where everyone knows where every location is. Yes, right. we're we're geniuses in this country. Yes. we know everything. Um, they do intro- they do this Japanese introduction, which was like really somber. Yeah, and uh, and it'd like tell you the place name and and know what the the kind of myth was or something and there just, was a map too wasn't there they yeah like a little, like zoom like in on map yeah and uh yeah it just really put you in the atmosphere for it oh yeah i also watched twin peaks in japan i oh. had seen them by then but my satellite television played them all just in a row so i have these old japanese subtitled tapes of all of the first mm. two seasons of twin peaks oh cool <laughs> That was sort of unprecedented. I mean, th- there was nothing that weird that I could think of anyway. I mean, there were some, I, I think there were some people who were using drugs who were making some television and, and had some odd humor. <laughs> yes. But there was never anything that was that surreal and bizarre. I had never seen anything like it at the no. end of the so 90s. You hadn't watched 
horror movies much before me? Not many. I mean, I saw some, like, I had seen The Shining, and I'd seen The Exorcist. <clears throat> My uh, high school was predominantly Catholic. And my Catholic friends thought that that movie was terrifying. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I did not. Mm. So I thought, at that point, I thought maybe it wasn't scary because I wasn't Catholic. I hadn't grown up with that belief structure. But I don't actually believe that evil spirits live in wells. So I can't tell you <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Now, what's interesting about the whole Catholic thing for me is that I don't remember being told... <sighs> Like, uh, oh, here's the, here's the mechanics of this. This is how this stuff works. I just remember like, oh, it's Sunday. We have to go to church. <laughs> and uh, and you sit there and, and you're... Um, mosquito. <laughs> stupid mosquito. <laughs> and it's like, uh, back then they would even do some of mass in Latin, but not the whole thing. So there'd be some chanting and stuff. All I knew is like, you just sit down and shut up until they tell you to stand up and re- repeat something. And then you sit back down and then... Stand up, kneel, sit down, shut up, stand up, repeat this. And then finally, at some point, you got to leave. <laughs> and then you had the rest of Sunday. And uh, for me, it was like the t- the uh, terrifying parts of The Exorcist didn't have anything to do with like, oh, we were told what demons were and how they worked because we weren't told any of that. It It was pretty scary to me early on. And I think maybe that was more based on its reputation uh, but it's pretty weird and gross what happens to that little girl and uh, the stuff she does and says. But we've we've that's been steamrolled by now with so much more shocking stuff that I think no one really even thinks about it. Uh, like I think Will described The Shining and The Exorcist, both of them as being largely boring and uh, or dull or whatever it is he said. And and I thought, wow, I would never think anyone would describe those movies that way. Huh. But it depends, I suppose, on what you've been exposed to. But you actually bring up one of my big pet peeves about horror movies, which is the conflation of disgusting and scary. Right. That's not frightening. That's just icky. Yeah. And, it's and like, I'm tired of watching people throw up. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about that, too. Quit getting your heads cut off. Quit throwing up. <laughs> and just leave your intestines inside your body. <laughs> Really, well, I don't mind the intestines and the heads. They can carry on doing that. But okay. it's like every every horror movie is like they're throwing up yogurt. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there was the um, the squeamishy part in Rec Four with the shots. We have the uber close up of someone getting a needle yeah. stuck in her arm. And I, I, yeah. I guess if you have a needle phobia, that's probably horrifying. Right. But from my perspective, it was more just ew. <laughs> yeah. I don't want anything stuck in my eye, but seeing something fake getting stuck into a fake eye doesn't really freak me out too much. Um, but, oh, yeah. Let's circle back around to um, Salem's Lot. I was very pleased with the rewatch, and uh, I, I really recommend if anyone has a chance to watch it. It is streaming on Shudder. Uh, which they don't pay us to say this. We just happen to all have access to Shutter and, and enjoy it. Uh, it looks gorgeous. I mean, they yeah, did a good they, job. They must be using the Blu-ray. Yeah, for sure. And it looks, it looks like you can tell, like, ah, fade to black, ah, come back from commercial. You can tell where, where the commercials went. Uh, reaction shots, and then you know, it's picked up in a slightly different way after the what would be the commercial. Uh, aside from that which if you're aware at all of how that works, you'll see it. Um, 
other than that, no, it's cool. It looks really good. And it's, you know, the scares are pretty legit. You start feeling like, oh, these people are boned. They're going to be <laughs> infested with vampires just one or two more nights and the whole town's going to be vampires uh, or dead. You know. Vampires are dead. One yeah. of those two. Or some combination. But uh, you really got your you really got your scares for any TV audience back in the late 70s, early 80s. Wow. That was not something you would normally see. That and Trilogy of Terror. That one, the, I only remember the one with the, the doll. Trilogy. Yeah, yeah. But that one is that's good. Scared you. Yeah, but that, that, that scared was, everybody. It was also like 1982 or whatever, yeah. right? Right. It, was, it, it was, was released in whatever 77 or 78, and then it came back around. Like they would play it every couple of years. I think I saw it on TV. I don't yeah. think it was I, made for TV. Yeah. Okay. So then yeah. I definitely saw it on TV. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have probably gone to the theater to see that anyway. Right. Even if it had been a theatrical release, but I remember that. And Karen Black is the, uh, yeah. the female lead in all three stories. Oh, that's right. She is, isn't yeah. she? I only, remember, I only remember the one. <laughs> right. And similar feeling, uh, like House of the Devil, similar vibe. You know, like they emulated that that kind of late 70s, early 80s yeah, look yeah, and feel. I, I don't remember. Did you like that one? Yeah. yeah. I think Will didn't. Yeah, it's it's one of those slow burn ones, which paid off for me, but not for him. Not for him. Yeah. Well, he's he's got uh, specific tastes about that stuff, and uh, I liked House of the Devil quite a bit. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's why we like have three people because we don't agree all the <laughs> right. time. Right, you know? it keeps it interesting. So, wreck. Let's talk about that. That was the one where they she's with the um, following the firefighters around filming them. Right. Yeah. So she she's a reporter named. Uh, Angela Vidal, she's doing a program called While You're Sleeping. Oh. And it's just her and her cameraman. And they link up with a, they just go to this fire station. They're just going to watch what they do. And and at first they're all just like eating or playing basketball or stuff. And they're just hanging out. And then uh, then they get this call that someone's stuck in a room in some apartment block. And they've heard screams coming from yeah, the room. Yeah. And they say, oh, oh, we get you know, most of what we do isn't fires. It's just people who are locked out, or the you know the cats up a tree or something. So everyone's quite jolly about it, and then they uh, and they go out to this building, and then they they uh, never get out again. Uh, there's some <laughs> or, kind of or do they? There's something going on in here. Is uh, I mean, you, you're probably familiar with it because it's you know. It's and there was that American remake of film. it yeah, too. Um, quarantine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so there's there's a there's a kind of in, infection going on here uh turns people um kind of like they're zombie-esque right bitey the infected uh (laughs) people and uh and it and they turn fast faster depending on their blood type Mm -hmm. or something uh you don't really know what the nature of the infection is you get hints of it right at the right at the end and that's made clearer in the sequels right so by rec four you you, you know you actually get to see what it is um but uh yeah so it's 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 very similar to the italian uh, zombie movies uh and like virus movies like city of the living dead where you've got fast moving savage people and uh and the zombie movies where it's like it's very catholic <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it is. It is like a. It's like a. I think it's a, a modern classic, and it's it's definitely you know, right up there at the top of found footage movies and. Right. Uh, I think it's really well structured. 
that has that advantage over most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast is really good. Yeah, she's very she's she's very human, and so she's yeah. likable, but not in a an objectionable way. She's not very intentionally made to be likable. She's just a person doing yeah, her she's job. Yeah, she's just very likable, and, and uh, uh, Manuela Velasco Diaz. Uh, she's she's in like uh, one, two, and four of the series. Um, yeah, and the the escalation is really nicely handled, and you're you're given enough information about you know because it's a building. There's quite a few characters to get your head around, but <clears throat> you're introduced to them pretty briefly, and uh, so, you, so you kind of know what's going on. And as the they're stuck in this building um, because they're put under quarantine, and uh, the you know various racial tensions break out. And, Various prejudices come and, out. and you're kind of following Angela along, so you don't, mm-hmm. you know, kind of what she knows. So it's yeah. kind of nicely, it's got a good rhythm and play out of everything. Mm-hmm. So. so as as far as uh, how the movie holds up, like it's been <coughs> it's been uh, ten years since it was released, and they've done how many sequels? Four. So there's four, and that's it. Four total. So okay. four came out in 2014. <clears throat> okay. So they haven't touched this in a few years, uh, which I'm guessing might have something to do with rights. You know, who who owns the rights? Uh, it's still the same. The same guys made. You know, the, the, there's two directors in the first one. There's Jaime Balaguerro and uh, Paco Plaza, uh, and then uh, they took turns directing the follow-ups. Right. I, I'm not sure who did three, but uh, yeah, the fourth one was was directed by Jaime. Let's see if I can. Uh, uh, let's see. But they they just decided to end it. Well, that's probably a, a good idea when uh, you look at some of these series, these franchises yeah, yeah. that have just gone on for too long. Jason in space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Rec Four is quite entertaining, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's not found footage. It's it's more conventional. You have got quite a conventional soundtrack, and uh, but it you know it's a it's a pretty good uh, thriller. Uh, more rampant Catholicism breaking out on a on a ship. <laughs> rampant Catholicism. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, you quite enjoyed it. It's not not scary really. Right. Um, they do up the level of special effects, and sometimes, unfortunately, with CG. But right. And there's some good gory bits. And... You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, Rombach, also known as Rombach Berlin Undead. Have yes. you seen this one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where they're sort of. Uh, barricaded in they're not quarantined but same diff they're barricaded mm. in an apartment and then they have to figure out how to get from where they are to the next one and the name the name gives it away if you know what a rombach is but um that one i think is streaming on shutter that one if it's it would be a good companion to this one because you mm-hmm. do have that you know trapped in an apartment and uh you don't know who to trust or what's really going on yeah yeah that one i, I wasn't that keen on no uh, Rec definitely did it for me the first time around. It was pretty intense and scary. The mm-hmm. second time, I I appreciated it more how how well it was done. Right, and I was admiring the the lovely dark Spanish wood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they obviously didn't have the budget to build this place. They just found an excellent. So now I'm gonna call it that movie with the pretty stairs. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I just saw the note on here. I I pulled up the, well for what it's worth the Wikipedia page, and I think it said the budget was. Two million wow. on the first one, which uh, pretty impressive. At least in its time, yeah. I mean, now I guess that would be considered a big budget. Yes, but, this uh, was two thousand seven. 
yeah, I think it said two million was the budget. And you know, these days people feel lucky to get two million. This has got. Uh... You don't see to the end, but there's a certain character played by Javier Botet. Uh-huh. And he was he he plays lots of very skinny creatures. Uh so he was he was Mama. And he was in that Witching and Bitching movie which we liked. Oh yeah. Uh Las Brujas de Zagaramundi. Yeah. Zagaramurdi. Yeah. Um So he's the Doug Jones of Spain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh he was in the Conjuring Two. He was in the Mummy, Will's favourite. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Alien Covenant. He was in It. He was the leper. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Insidious, the last key. I just assumed that was Doug Jones in It. But it, no, it's the Spanish Doug Jones. You know, every country probably has a really skinny guy who you well, can make yeah, up like any creature. Apparently when he, was, he was five, he was diagnosed with Marfan syndrome, which oh. makes his fingers really long. Oh. And he's kind of, he's like two meters tall. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, there should be, yeah, there should be a special, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, who does the mocap stuff? Uh, Andy Circus. Yeah. Yeah, there should be like a whole guild of these guys who, who do mocap and <laughs> gangly suit stuff. Rubber monsters, you know. The Guild of Rubber Monsters. Yeah, see, there's a good awesome. name. Yeah. They're playing at the Larimer Lounge tonight, man. <laughs> Three-day weekend, Guild of Rubber Monsters is playing. So you've seen this one, right? Yes, it's been a few years. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And I do remember, uh, of course, this happens all the time, and that's a good tie-in for Ring. Um, the Americans just can't seem to watch a foreign movie for some weird reason. And I don't know what's wrong with us, or I should say them, the, the, the rest of our fellow Americans who... The unwashed hordes. Yes. Uh, like, why can't they just watch uh, Let the Right One In? You know, why can't they just yeah. watch Wreck? And I thought Let Me In, for example, really suffered by comparison to yeah. Let the Right One In. I just... Let it be a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they were both good movies, in mm-hmm. my opinion, but, um, but, there were, but it was... It was so unnecessary because by the time you're 10 minutes into uh, Let the Right One In, you forget you're reading subtitles. Right. And everything's visually just very interesting and very bizarre. You don't need an American version of that one. And I have never seen the American remake of The Eye. And that's another one I was going to ask you if you'd seen, uh, which is a very, very scary one. Man, mosquito. Is, is that the Korean one? Yes. The train? Yeah. Um. It's a girl who gets uh, like cornea transplants, right. and then she can see she can see the the ghosts from yeah. the, the life of the person whose corneas she got. <coughs> the Did you elevator think that was spooky with the, the elevator scene. There were some spooky moments in it, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and I thought there were some good kind of atmospheric parts to it. But I wouldn't say it left me frightened. You know, I didn't then look down into the dark basement and think, "Uh oh, what's in there?" Um, but it had some really good creepy moments like that. The elevator was good. And, oh, it was. And there's isn't there like a hospital or a school? There's some big industrial building that she's in at one point. I think it's a hospital. That was nicely done. I thought. Yeah, I love that scene in the <clears throat> corridor. Yeah, the corridor, and she's. Yeah, that little boy. Yeah. Have you seen my report card? <laughs> 
Yeah, that one I caught quite by accident. I was uh, staying up late to be the sober driver for some friends, and I really didn't feel like being where they were going to be. So Because they were drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's, I was like, call me when you're ready. I'll head down there and pick everyone up. And uh, it was on IFC late night something chills or whatever they called that particular thing. And this was years ago. And, uh, I, I thought, Oh, well, you know, this little, this little blurb, this little promo sounds promising. I'll watch this. And so I was home by myself waiting for a phone call and I'm watching this Korean horror movie <laughs> and it was legit creepy for me. And I don't get spooked very easily, but that elevator scene that definitely spooked me. And, uh, just that, dead guy hovering and just his toes barely dragging on the ground as he floats toward the girl and she's terrified and it cuts between the the monitor and what's actually mm -hmm. supposedly going yeah, on with her well it's not in the monitor but right. it's right behind her <laughs> oh so creepy i bought that one and uh my nephew asked me uh chris asked me for some uh, movies like some recommendations so i sent him a couple of that I thought were pretty creepy. I think I sent him Dog Soldiers, The Eye, and Shaun of the Dead. I thought there's a really fun one and a really vicious werewolf one and then a legit creepy mm -hmm. ghosty one. So have you watched the sequels? I have not. Uh, They're all in Shudder. Are, are they any good, do you know? Or have you watched them? I think I've seen the second one. I'm not done I don't think I've seen yet. any of the others. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I hesitate because I I think oh it's just gonna be bad and I'm gonna mm. waste my time. I don't ever feel like a bad sequel ruins the original for me. I just you know like if if it if it explains something that that you just accepted as not explained in the original, that doesn't ruin it for me to go back and watch the original. Yeah, yeah so it's, I'm okay it's with it. Maybe unnecessary, but it doesn't necessarily take away from the original. No, like. Um, Will is pretty sure that Highlander is a terrible movie, and I do want to rewatch it. I own it, but I've never rewatched it in well over 15 years. Yeah. And I feel like, okay, maybe it's bad. Maybe I won't like the rewatch as much, but I know those sequels straight up sucked. <laughs> <laughs> There's the one part where they're standing there and they're inside some dome in the future, and it's like, well, you Spanish peacock, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> now we're up here in space. And it's like, there's some shit like that. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Christopher Lambert, did you need the money that bad? Couldn't you play another Tarzan? Right. Mm. Couldn't there be Greystoke 2 of Tokyo Drift? <laughs> you know? But what are you going to do? Uh, anyway, so Wreck. Um, uh, did, we, did we cover what you wanted to say about it? Yeah. Would you recommend this one? Yeah, definitely. Wreck is really good. Yeah. And 4 was fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it was entertaining. and Yeah, I found all the sequels enjoyable. Um, but not the remake. Quarantine? Quarantine's all right, it's but fine. it's just pretty much shot for shot. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as far as a found footage thing can be. And yeah, just put Anne Hayes and I mean, Vince Vaughn in it. Well and... done. Um, it felt unnecessarily shiny. Like if it's yeah. supposed to be found footage, I felt like it shouldn't be that yeah. clean looking. Not yeah. that I like found footage movies generally. Yeah, I, I don't generally, but there's uh rec builds in rest points and it's filmed by a professional cameraman. Uh, so you get you get some really frenetic stuff, but it doesn't doesn't make me ill to watch it. No. Yeah. The yeah, the conceit of the film is yeah. that these are people who know how right. to use a camera. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't get that 
Yeah, and, and you get points where he, he puts the camera down, mm-hmm. or it's uh, yeah, he knows how to hold it steady, and so yeah, that kind of stuff's important because there's way too much motion sickness, mm-hmm. shaky cam. You yeah. both had that feeling about Blair Witch, didn't you? I did. Jolien watched more of it oh, than I watched. We went to see it at the Mayan. Yeah, and uh, we when we got to the end. Of Julian it, had to explain we, the end. We to both me. Uh, realized that neither of us had really been watching it for most of the running time because it was we were too ill we thought the other one was okay with it so we stuck it out <laughs> and every time i looked up it was some <clears throat> uber close-up of a snotty faced kid going fuck 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 and i thought i what just want you to die <laughs> will someone just kill her yeah please where's the witch <laughs> we're just doing a terrible job yeah you're making everybody snot but you're not killing anybody right yeah, that's not witchcraft. No, that's yeah, that's just irresponsible right. behavior <laughs> that I don't want to see. Yeah, I do kind of feel like I, I need to um, give Wreck a rewatch, and I think I saw Wreck, and then I saw Quarantine, uh, and I think I felt the same way that Quarantine was just a polished up, Americanized version. Right. Which, again, you don't have to do that. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that that you want to appeal to a broader audience, but. How about educate them on, uh, you know, what's cool about foreign film? Well, they, they just don't go to see a subtitled film. So with the Let the Right One In, they you know, they knew had a, a great film, but it just wasn't playing outside of art theatres. Right. Yeah. and But you you forget that you're watching a subtitled film just a few minutes in. You're not oh, yeah. conscious of... But did you grow up with the subtitling or is that... On PBS, did you adapt to it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I probably. I, I, my mom is a big fan of like Sanjiro and Yojimbo, mm-hmm. so I definitely watch some of those um, samurai movies pretty early. But I don't think I necessarily had a huge background in subtitled movies. I don't particularly remember watching very many. Yeah, my dad watched loads, so I was I was pretty used to it. Yeah, so in in England you would probably have more because you're a short train ride from a lot of countries. You probably right. had more. Yeah, there's like, definitely more on TV. Yeah, so if if it were French or German or what have you, there's more people interested to watch that mm-hmm. than here, where it's like, well, that's overseas. That's a long way away. Yeah, and as far as <laughs> they the, talk like, funny. The, the mainstream <laughs> channels go, here it's none. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid, the stuff we would see, like the Red Balloon, that was something you'd see on PBS. Oh, yeah. You know, that was not something that was ever played on, like, a normal, like, run-of-the-mill network or or even the UHF or VHF channels. That's one of Jolien's all-time favorite movies, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, you mentioned that. That was a top favorite for you. But I, I and I also grew up watching monster films, which you didn't. Right. But uh, like when we started dating, I I didn't know how much horror you could take. I didn't either. I so, in fact I remember being really nervous up through my early teen years when I'd go see a movie and I'd sit down and mm. feel just at the mercy of the filmmakers, yeah. and I always had a moment of, uh oh, what's this going to be? But that's the thing when I was when I was a kid, like uh, um, especially with like Italian movies where they. They would go. They would go for it. And uh, so when, when they, they started playing, I'd feel really anxious. Oh, yeah. Uh, after a while, you, because of how they're done, you, you kind of relax a bit. Yeah, they establish what, you know, what you've you know, gotten they're into. They're locked after. And, right. uh, but, uh, yeah, I felt really nervous because I knew that they would go there. But, uh, uh, you know, I kind of miss feeling that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, and like when we started dating, I think the first monster film we watched was Them. Oh yeah, which is one of my childhood favorites, and and then uh, and then she knew what my all-time favorite horror movies were, so like The Haunting, mm-hmm. uh, Dawn of the Dead, Texas Chainsaw. So you yep. wanted to see them, and yeah, and we those are up to them. Those are so well done too that even like I didn't necessarily leave that feeling like inbred family was going to come eat me but you know definitely creepy in that one maybe it's how no it's not how realistic they're there there's a certain part of movies like that where i kind of believe it in the moment Mm -hmm. which i don't usually feel with most horror movies like i have a lot of issues with the zombie apocalypse because (laughs) Just biologically, evolutionarily, it doesn't make sense. They are going to eat up their food source. Right. And they're no babies because they're all zombies. <laughs> so they have just eaten themselves to extinction, and it would suck for us, but it'd be a pretty short-lived apocalypse. It would. And also, the whole zombie, like especially the fast-moving ones, you know, the whole physiology of it doesn't make sense because... I mean, if I forget to drink enough water during the day, I'm going to have like just terribly crippling leg cramps, usually about bedtime. Also, how are they digesting? They're dead. Their biological processes don't work, right? Right. So, yeah, they're they're dehydrating. So their joints aren't going to work right. They're not going to be able to salivate when they eat people. So what the hell? It doesn't make no. It falls apart immediately when you start to analyze it. Uh, which doesn't make any less entertaining or terrifying. It just defies any logic that you might try to apply to it. Yeah. But that being said, um, yeah, I watched The Ring. <laughs> Not Wreck, but The Ring. And uh, Which one? Japanese <clears throat> or American? The American one, because I know that we were going to talk about comparing them at some point in time. But this one was interesting because uh, I had completely forgotten um, that it was... Uh, Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, wasn't it? It was, see? I forgot, too. And uh, it's like, oh, yeah, there was some pretty female lead, and then uh, Brian Cox was in it, uh, you know, which... And then she comes out of the TV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I was kind of thinking this was going to be vastly different from the original Japanese movie, but it followed it pretty closely. Um, but... The reason that this makes more sense to Japanese culture, and tell me if you agree, because you've, you've both taught there, and uh, um, Japanese tradition, um, I, guess, I guess the idea is there's a preoccupation with Japanese tr- tradition and how that sort of uh, collides or conflicts with uh, modern technology, because the Japanese really embrace technology, but at the same time, are kind of conflicted about how this sort of pushes out the traditions. I would say they've done a good job actually of making the two things live side by side. It doesn't, it never feels particularly like conflict. Okay. It's uh, like, who's the guy who does those um, traditional looking um, pictures of like... Teraoka. With the, like like the Geta and the McDonald's. Yeah, that's uh, Masami Teraoka. So I always... I always feel like that's kind of a nice encapsulation of Japan. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and so it never, I don't, I never felt necessarily tension with that. But I think the thing is that like England, Japan has really good ghost stories and a mm-hmm. really good tradition of those ghost stories. Mm-hmm. 
and they have, I don't know, a little something kind of believable uh-huh. about them. And like how the you'll get English ghosts that are um, walking around two feet lower than you because the house has been built up. Oh, yeah. Things like that. And in Japan, ghosts are typically said not to have feet. And that's how you can tell. Because they don't <laughs> need them, right? They don't, I don't know why, it's but that's kind of an old tradition. From, yeah. uh, from woodblock days. Yeah. So, so, so you could a tell A couple of hundred ghost. years ago, yeah, that there's one artist I draw them without feet. And it was just kind of a shorthand way to, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah, a ghost, and, and their, their hair is wild because, like, they're dead. They've been. Yeah, you know, Japanese women are expected to have their hair right. immaculate, so it's an indication of otherworldly. Otherworldliness, right. they're beyond your rules. Right. So, so this really wasn't um, as much about uh, the collision as maybe the integration of. Yeah, that they, they very the they ghost. do adapt with. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have uh, objects can be ghosts. Right. Um, and a ghost, you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's not like, you know, if, if a video came along, an English ghost would have to have a, a young person explain how things work right. to them. But a Japanese ghost can just adapt, you know. Uh, and like uh, Sayako is based on um, uh, an actual like uh, ghost stories. There, there are various variations, but it's, it's basically the story of this ghost who is this... Uh, she, she's counting plates and she's yeah. she's the, there are different stories but she yeah. either broke she's the servant yeah she's servant of a castle and there's there's differences you know different regions will tell you oh it's our castle right. and, and she's killed maybe because she miscounted them maybe because the lady the the house was crazy and just wanted to blame someone and because she actually broke the plate yeah there, there's different like in some of them she stole a plate, and some of them yeah. she broke a plate, and some of them someone else. But broke the gist it, of it is, she's she's vengeful, killed and dumped in a well, and wow. she comes out of the well to haunt. <laughs> she's a real common figure in like ukiyo-e and, and some of those old right. Japanese theater plays and things you'll see. And you also story. have the idea of uh, a ghost uh, is. Um, it will be this force, and then uh, it will just uh, haunt whoever comes into that place. Uh, you know, so like the Juan series, mm-hmm. it's this rage that's this force that inhabits this place. Right. And it doesn't matter what you've done. If you come into this place, that's it. You know, you, yeah, you're next to be you. You get this ghost on you. You're in the arena. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's this kind of, uh, yeah, so there's, curse has been placed on a videotape and you know just casually watch this videotape and that's it you're done now this is a funny thing to admit but uh the ring i always thought was just like you were seeing that that what really looks like a student film you know the Mm. video that they watch just looks like oh this is this is what students do when they start (laughs) making their own films they just put a montage of like weird stuff together Um, I always assumed that the ring meant like that, that ring of light when the lid of the well moved. I didn't even stop to think the double meaning with the phone ringing. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Well, they, they love puns and mm-hmm. visual puns. You've got the circle of the well. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you've got the, the, the phone. you got, I mean, that wouldn't and make the... sense over there, would it? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Not ring ring? Yeah. Okay, and, and then you've got this ring the as, ring as in you've got to pass yeah. around the tape. Oh, okay. Multi-layered meaning, yeah. And, and it, the ring is it. It's not the Japanese word for what a phone does, but it's a word that's commonly used enough that mm-hmm. that's part of the pun. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of uh, cultures that don't speak English that say hello when they answer the phone, which I find kind of odd, but that does happen. But so yeah, there's I, I could see there would be some cultural crossover stuff. This is probably good to just sort of tease a future episode where we'll really dig into this. Uh, so we don't really have to go into like everything I saw and thought and felt. Uh, but I did feel like they did a good job setting a mood with this thing. But I kind of felt like um, like they were trying to make it too palatable and too pretty for American audiences where it could have been a little grimier. Yeah, we, we watched it. We didn't like it. Anyway, and it's hard to say. Japanese yeah, right. I don't know. I, I might have liked it better if I'd seen it first. Mm. Right. I remember watching the uh, American version of Juon, and I kind of liked it better. It was yeah, better structured. Yeah, and the the kids' makeup in in Juon was it just looked so patchy. I just kind of <laughs> wanted to get in there and fix it. Like somebody smooth <laughs> that ghost kid out. Yeah, it was. I, I think it's funny. Like some of these movies, there's no levity throughout. Like. Is everybody just in a dreary mood? I mean, I know it was set in Seattle, and I used to live there, and I visited several times in addition to having lived there. I know it's a bit dreary, but people still smile once in a while and crack some jokes and drink not, some coffee. Yeah, a lot of coffee. Uh, but it, it, it felt like unnecessarily somber and kind of dreary and moody. And I, and I thought, well, you know, if if somebody is really trying to get the attention of another character who's not feeling their their drama. That might make the movie more interesting, but it was just kind of like from one dreary setting full of dreary characters to the next. And uh, finally, they go out to some island and they meet Brian Cox. And for any Cox lovers, this is a great movie for you. Um, <laughs> this, is, this came up in a, in a past episode. I see. It was, um, you know, maybe a, maybe there should be a podcast all about Brian Cox's movies. Uh I don't know, how did that come up? I forget, but it did. This is like 10 episodes ago. <laughs> We've said a lot of awful things since that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, oh, it was uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe. All right. Yeah. All so right, if anyone yeah. wants to hear that reference, uh, that was that episode. I felt clever for a second there. Uh, but yeah, Brian Cox is always good in what he's in. But, um, you know, if they... Uh, if they if they cast a movie well, uh, you're going to get a few unknowns that really just kill it and a few established actors who who just kind of lay the foundation mm-hmm. for it all to really work. And he does that nicely in this. Uh, I didn't really... I don't know how the... I don't remember the Japanese movie having this or not, but uh, somebody with the horse ranch and the mm-hmm. horses all committed suicide. I, they, was that w- part of the original? I don't, yeah. Was it part of it? It was, the, the horse it was and played the up. Oh, that's right. It was played up more in the American one, though. There's yeah. like, like sudden flashes of horse... Yeah, you know, more in that if, one. If something like that's successful in Japan, they often get mo- like multimedia expansions on the story, and they don't often interrelate, uh, you know, um, that closely. Right. Um, but that yeah, it does follow up on what the horse means in her, in Sayako's background in the sequels. Okay. And uh, but the you know there's the original novel. Uh, there's the versions made for various media and there's the, the you know the movie series so and there's yeah, the baseball game i'm not sure exactly where it fills in on the what the horses mean but it, it is in there yeah and it culturally can mean different things 
in different countries, I'm sure. But I think they just kind of use it as a visual, you know, thing to just be like, oh, isn't this crazy what's happening with these horses? Mm -hmm. Or this horse in particular diving off the ferry into the ocean. It's like, why would it do that? Horses are smarter than that. It's depressed. Yeah. It's had a really rough horsey life. Yeah. It's like, there's never any sun here, man. (laughs) And horses aren't offered coffee, so. Have you seen the, uh, the... When they did the crossover, Juon and Ringu, they had the baseball game. Oh, I didn't see that. It, and it was on Shutter. I don't know if it still is or not. It's pretty fabulous. So they, they, did they just throw out the opening pitch? Yeah. It's really well done and it's extremely funny, but they're very serious about it. Oh, that's great. So it's the two of them and the little boy on the baseball diamond, and it's just really well done. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> they kind of stop and look at each other periodically. And it's just. It's excellent and funny. Yes. Before I forget to mention this, um, anyone who does want to look at that artist's work, um, Masami Taroka, uh, there's an out-of-print book, and it could be back in print, but it's called Waves and Plagues, and it's an amazing book. I actually have a copy of it. And uh, I remember being a big admirer of his work, and then I moved to Hawaii and discovered, like by flipping through the book again, this is Waimanalo Beach, or, you know, um, uh, Makapu'u Beach in Waimanalo. And uh, I'm thinking, all these are beaches on Oahu. Why? He lives here. <laughs> and I, you know, and I, you know, turn the book over and I think it even says, uh, you know, the little uh, artist, little blurb, the little bio. Uh, and then one day I was in the one hardware store in Kailua. <laughs> this is Kailua, Oahu, not Kailua, the big island. And I turn, and, I, and it's hard to miss this guy. He's got little round John Lennon glasses and long salt and pepper hair mm-hmm. and a little goatee. I turn, and I see him, and I went, holy shit, that's Masami Taroka. <laughs> and so I went over and said hi, and uh, my girlfriend at the time had a cold, and she didn't want to make him sick because she's like, oh, you've got to work, but love your work <laughs> from up the aisle. <laughs> and so I just went over and said hi to him and shook his hand and told him I thought his work was beautiful. Nice. It was weird, like, just to turn around and be like, oh, you're the dude from the picture on the cover. <laughs> And you're unmistakably that dude. (laughs) And uh, uh, his work was all over the museums in uh, Hawaii. It was amazing to see the originals because they were huge. He would work on paintings that were six or eight feet high and 20, 30 feet long. His calligraphy was perfect. I mean, his work, uh, it definitely bears uh, a good look for anyone who hasn't beautiful stuff it looks at first glance you assume it's old like traditional kind of stuff and then you take another glimpse because there's some modern element to it oh yeah what's going on there it looks like a a traditional samurai Mm -hmm. scene but it's a it's a businessman on vacation and and he's drawing a golf club instead of a sword you know from his golf bag and he's got the same kind of googly cross-eyed right, making thing. that fierce samurai face yeah and it's just funny hit the hell out of that golf ball yeah and yeah it's, it's it's pretty cool um and you do get to see the uh it's called waves and plagues because he basically his paintings are showing the beaches of oahu and uh, the plague of the aids virus mm-hmm. um the hiv oh, virus it's it's shown as a specter that's sort of stalking people in some of the paintings. And there's a, um, a geisha who's in a hot tub, and she's trying to get a condom unwrapped from a like a row of them. And she's trying to tear it open with her teeth, and this thing's crawling in through the window. And you could feel the desperation in the picture, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the kind of stuff. Uh, 
but enough about that. Uh, we will <laughs> we will definitely have to do an original versus remake on that one. So just con- consider that a teaser, I guess. And uh, it's always good to talk about um, Japanese stuff with people who uh, have lived there and taught there and, and know about the culture and speak the language and have some understanding of why would they do a thing like that? Or what does this mean? We don't always know. We don't always you're, know. You're Japanese. Mm, I'm fourth generation. Half. Yeah. So the, so some things have gotten lost along the way. Yeah. Lost in translation, you might say. <laughs> what do you feel sticks around the most as far as what makes it through three or four generations? Well, as in every culture, food. Mm-hmm. Food definitely makes it through. And, you know, Hawaii is funny. My, my family came through Hawaii and... Um, what the Japanese immigrants, the first ones did was try to bring Japanese culture in. But of course, they didn't have a lot of the same raw ingredients. So like my family's, so you'll appreciate this is very Hawaiian. My family's um, maki sushi recipe, the rolled sushi, has canned tuna in it. Uh-huh. There's nobody crazier about food in cans than Hawaiians. I don't know what the heck that is, but yeah. they love their canned food. Spam. <laughs> Spam and canned tuna and... My uh, my family has a thing about canned pineapple, and I'm, but you were you, you could just go pick them. But. Yes, and you can go catch an ahi, a big beautiful ahi in the it. ocean. Yeah. It's right there. It's right there. Um, but yeah, so so uh, the food stuff though really stuck around, and some of it my after the the um, Second World War, my grandmother stopped making as much. Japanese food because um, and they weren't they weren't in a camp they were um, living on Maui at the time and you there was one uh, internment camp in Hawaii but it was for really dangerous people like Buddhist priests uh-huh. uh, and not my grandfather the medical school student right um, so they weren't um, they didn't go to the camps but the uh, echoes of that still kind of made them want to look very American so right. when I was um, really tiny um they, they they didn't make a whole lot of japanese food but they kind of came back into it as i got a little bit older right so you know we would we had a lot of sukiyaki and sushi and those kinds of things when i was a kid um and then you know as with most cultures um some words stick around so sure most japanese kids japanese american kids um call their grandparents bachan and jichan which means granny and gramps or something like that. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Um, And I didn't realize until I got to Japan that um, the reason as a child, I was always kind of anxious when I got presents about opening them in front of people. It's a Japanese thing. Japanese people rarely open gifts in front of the people they receive them from. They say thank you and they put Mm. it aside and and open it after the fact. And I didn't even realize that that was a a thing. Wow. Um, So weird little things like that kind of stick around. Oh, and they're definitely uh, significant things. Like uh, what was the one that uh, um, Sam and Emily who live right near here. um, Another Emily. Uh, I think Sam's folks, um, they're from Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said something to Emily about, uh, well, you shouldn't put your feet up. It's it's considered exceptionally rude to show the bottom of your feet to right. your elders. Yeah. And yeah. feet, there's a whole thing about feet in Asia. Yeah. Just, you know, what's polite, what's not polite. There's big to do when um, 
Bobby Flay was first on Iron Chef. Oh, when he jumped up one. on the table? Yeah, he, he yeah. stood on his cutting board, which is horrifically disrespectful. People oh, yeah. really upset. I watched also, that episode. It's weird. Yeah. I still don't entirely get it, but... Yeah, he was just being flamboyant and cocky. Well, well, and then he did it again. He won a second time and did it again, having been told that it was considered very rude, so... Oh, so it was just deliberate. Yeah. So um, that's where the uh, culture of New Yorkers clashes with the entire rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say much. I, I, I don't know a lot of New Yorkers, but... <laughs> Bobby Flay is one. So... <laughs> Take that for what you will. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, it's it's definitely an interesting thing. Um, like I can look at uh, the reason I asked that question was um, you know I could look at uh, having worked in a deli in Chicago and people from you know five or ten different countries would come in and buy ingredients from the deli or from the grocery store, and it did seem like you lose your language way before you lose your food. Yeah, you know. It didn't sound good. Lose your food uh, before you lose your <laughs> recipes and your tastes. <laughs> yeah, the food stuff carries through. For sure. Yeah, I I think most uh, most uh, Italian Americans can't speak that much Italian, but right. they can they can cook grandma's sauce, you know, just right. And, and I think you see that. But uh, enough about that. Uh, so movies. Next time we're going to talk about Shin Godzilla, mm-hmm. and Will's going to be back, and uh, and. Emily, you're welcome to join us. We have a fourth yeah, microphone. Yeah, we both watched that one. Yeah, yeah. You, you can join us anytime. Thank you. And, uh, you know, if, if Eugenia shows up too, then uh, we'll just, you know. Two to a mic. Yeah, two, two to a mic until uh, there, we run out of chairs. It'll be like backup singers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, we know what we're doing for next time. And uh, sorry I botched that. I, I don't know why I didn't write it down and I just remembered it wrong. But It started with an R. You were halfway there. Yeah, it's like or something. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, future episode where we'll compare the two maybe. Um, so I will then rewatch them both. Watch the Shin Godzilla and Old Godzilla. That's yeah. right. Compare them. And then, you know, That'd Naomi Watts was in a King Kong movie. And, yep. uh, you know, she was in this remake of a Japanese movie. So, you know, it all kind of... It's not that far removed <laughs> because then you got uh, Godzilla and King Kong are about to clash in a future movie. They are. Yeah. So we're told that, yeah. that could go wrong. <laughs> Godzilla next year. Oh, man. It's, we live in interesting times, Godzilla don't we? Godzilla uh, King Ghidorah in, in the next one. Oh, that's, a, that's really cool. Well, should we call it a show? Uh, fine by me. All right. Uh, you know, I didn't give a spoiler warning, but I think everybody caught on after a while. You know, we didn't really spoil anything we weren't supposed to. After the fact, spoiler warning. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this. Uh, sorry. Are, We're yeah. sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. Listeners, thank you for listening and stay off the moors. <laughs>